Well, hey, everybody, welcome to Real Church for Real People. Are you glad to be at church today? Great, so glad that you have joined us and wanna look at the camera and say a big hello to all of our locations, wherever you're gathering uh, today. We're one big church family kind of spread out around our region. And for all of you who are joining us online as well, uh, church online, we're glad you're along for the ride. And if you're here for the first time and maybe kind of new to the whole church thing and faith thing, and I'm um, not exactly sure what you believe about it all yet, I'm glad you're here. You are welcome here. And I hope the experience you've had so far has been encouraging. We are in week two of a series that we've called Red Flags, which is all about relationship issues. And if you are joining us for the first time during the series, you can go back and watch uh, week one uh, message. I would highly encourage you to do that. You can find that on our website, yourjourney.tv, or on our app and kind of get the whole series. All of the four messages in this series, I think, are just important in the way they work together. So this week, uh, take a moment when you're on the elliptical or, you know, you're on your, in your commute or whatever you're doing or uh, just uh, listen to that week one message. Because this weekend, uh, I'm just, I want to give you a little heads up. We're going to kind of go there, okay? Is that all right? So we're going to do, we're going to dig deep today. I'm just letting you know. And doesn't mean when I say deep, I don't mean that you, have, you have to be like a Bible ninja to understand today. But we are going to press into some areas that... Uh, are a little bit challenging, all right? So forewarned, good. All right, here we go. How many of us, let's start it off this way, all of our locations, once you just participate in this, and if you're online, just, just follow along with this as well. How many of us have ever wondered why people do the stuff they do in relationships? Anybody just ever had like that head-scratching moment? You know, I'm talking about those people, right? I'm not talking about us, I'm talking about those people. <laughs> you know, those people. And you've seen this in romantic relationships, in families, and friendships. I mean, specifically the dysfunctional stuff, right? You know that couple that always fights about everything? Anybody have that? You know, they're, they're dating or they're married or whatever, and they're always, you know, here they go again. Anybody know those people? You know those people? Uh, maybe you saw them while you were driving today to your location in the other car. They're just like over there. All right, you're like, oh, so glad we're not like those people. And uh, then, you know, you probably have that family member who drives you crazy, like we all do, drives us crazy with how judgmental they are, or petty they are, or critical they are. Anybody know that family member, you know? How many of us have somebody like that? How many of us, you brought them with you today? You just want to put, just kidding, just kidding, I'm kidding. Uh, and then you have that friend who's controlling or embarrassing, or some of us have that friend who disappears for weeks at a time, right? What's up with that? And you're like, where have you been? And they're like, oh, you know, just around, can you help me move? And you're like, oh, yeah, you're that friend. And uh, what is up with that stuff? I mean, those people, right? Those people, you know who I'm talking about. And yet, how many of us, if we're honest, like me, have caught a glimpse of ourselves in the relationship mirror at times and wondered why we do the stuff we do? It takes a little more courage to kind of respond to that. But how many of us have some things that we, in our relationships, are like, why did I do that? Why did I say that? Why did I react that way? Why did I... Why did I choose that response? I have those things. I have issues, just so you know. So if you are new here and you were hoping to find a church with a pastor who does not have issues, I'm sorry to disappoint you. I can recommend a number of churches where the pastors pretend they don't have issues, but at this one, uh, I have issues, okay? I'm just telling you I have issues. I'm a work in progress, but I have things in my life that when I, when I think or speak or act or react in a certain way, I often wonder, where is that coming from? And a lot of us can relate to this. And I think for a lot of us, if we're honest, some part of us knows that it's not all those people. 
It's not all other people that are causing the problems in our lives and in our relationships. And we, even if other people are 99% of the problem, and they very well may be, there's still some part of it, some part of us knows that if we could get past our issues, then our lives and our relationships would be better whether other people changed or not. And the problem is getting past our issues, how many of us know this is true, is hard. If it was easy, more people would be getting past their issues. It's, it's difficult, and sometimes, would you agree, sometimes it feels like there's this invisible script we're all following that's almost impossible to break free from. We think, why did I say that? Well, it's like it was in a script. I didn't even want to say that. I didn't even want to have that thought pattern that came into my life, that dysfunctional way of seeing this relationship, but it's like there's a script. So the question today is, is there a script like that? And if so, is there any hope that we can change? So if you're new to the Bible, there is this storyline in the Old Testament. It's very fascinating. It's about God promising his people their own land and then how their issues kept getting in the way of them experiencing and enjoying God's promises. So for hundreds of years, God's people were slaves in the nation of Egypt. And then God shows up and does all of these wild, humanly impossible miracles to release his people from their slavery. And he leads them out of Egypt through a, a guy named Moses, and he brings them to the land that he has promised them. But when the people get to the border of this land, this good place that God has been promising them for generations, they freak out, which is not what God anticipated. They're scared to move forward. They, they look at the people in the land, they're like, they're too big, it's too hard, we'll never accomplish it. And they, you're going to find this mind-boggling, but they start talking about going back to Egypt, which is crazy because they were slaves there. And, but they get so worked up about this that they actually decide, okay, we're going to kill Moses because he he's the one in the way. You know, he doesn't want us to go back to Egypt. We're going to kill Joshua and Caleb, who were two guys who were encouraging them. Hey, you guys, let's go into the land. God has promised it. God has better things for us. Come on, let's go. Egypt's not where we want to be. And they say, okay, let's kill Moses, let's kill Joshua and Caleb, and that's when God steps in. See, this is not the first time that the people have acted like this. They have kind of a long track record of when things get difficult, they start grumbling and complaining, and they want to go back to Egypt. And so God tells Moses, no, I've had it. I'm, I'm done. Like, these people are so messed up, and I'm out, but first, I'm going to wipe them out. It has gotten to that point. Like, I just, I have no idea what to do with them. I'm just going to scrap the whole thing. And Moses is like, God, can we talk about this? Would you be willing to reconsider? And it's a fascinating moment. Here's what he prays. Please, Lord, prove that your power is as great as you have claimed. For you said, the Lord is slow to anger and filled with unfailing love, forgiving every kind of sin and rebellion. So question for you, when you think about God, what comes to mind? For some of us, when we think about God, we think of kind of this kind and gentle grandpa in the sky. You know, he's got like a white beard. He's always got a couple bucks. You know, he's like, hey, good to see you, kids. You know, he's just sort of like, that's kind of what we think of God. You know, like, man, so good to run into grandpa today. He just blessed me, helped me out. And uh, that's how we think of God. Some of us, when we think about God, we think of this cosmic invisible force or this nameless shapeless, personality-less thing out there. We're like, may the force be with you. You know, that's God. That's, all, that's what we think about. Some of us, we wish we didn't think this way, but when we think about God, we think of this angry ogre 
who just wants to snuff people out. He takes great delight in human suffering. He's just angry all the time, and he just, he's out to get us. Moses says, God, here's who I know you to be because here's who you have said you are. That's important. Moses says, I'm not telling you who I think you are, God, or what my culture thinks you are, what my religion thinks you are. I'm repeating back to you what you said about yourself, and you said, God, that you are slow to anger. You said that you are filled with unfailing love, and you said that you forgive every kind of sin and rebellion. Now, for some of us, that word sin is kind of an issue, especially, again, if we're not sure what we believe about God yet, and if that's you, I mean, if you are like, I don't believe any of this, that's okay. I'm not here to twist your arm. I think you probably are here because some part of you goes, man, I may not believe all that, but I can't really figure out life the way I need to. And so that sin thing is sort of a, an issue for some of us. But here's what I want to encourage you to do. When you read that word sin, it's really just a synonym. Oh, I see what I did there. I just realized. <laughs> I have issues. All right. So it's really just a synonym for issues. That's and we all, can we all agree we all have issues? Just a show of hands, all of our locations. How many of us would agree we all have issues? If you didn't lift your hand, that's your issue. Um, <laughs> so we have 100% <laughs> agreement. So we all have issues. So the way God would say that through his word is we all have sins. And the Bible is very consistent and clear about this. All of us have sinned. We've all fallen short of God's glory and goodness and his best for us. The good news is God forgives our issues no matter what kind they are every kind of sin and rebellion. In fact, when you think about it, the startling thing about God is not that he has issues with our issues. The startling thing about God is how patient he is with us. I mean, think about it. If we were God, would we have put up with some of the people we know for as long as God has? Would we have put up with us for as long as God has? I mean, the startling thing about God is how patient he is. So God is very patient, but there is more to his character, and there's more going on than just patience. Here's what Moses prays next. He, remember, he's reminding God who God said he is. He does not excuse the guilty. He lays the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations. Ah, so there is a script. There is a script that many of us are living out in our relationships, and the reason it's so difficult to break free from is it's generational. It's been passed down to us. You may not even be aware of it. It's a living below the surface of our lives, but it's been passed down to us. When I was in my 20s, I was with a group of friends. We were watching a movie about this guy who gets stranded on a deserted island all alone. First part of the movie is very dramatic, but then about halfway through the movie, you know, he's been on the island for, for a couple of years at this point. It's clear nobody's coming to save him. He's all alone. He's having to figure out how to do life on this island, and it's very quiet. We're all watching this movie. In the middle of the movie, I blurted out, like, without even, it was not even a voluntary thing. I just blurted out, man, guys, wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> and my friends just kind of looked at me like you're looking at me now. They were like, no, that wouldn't be awesome. The dude's all alone on an island. Like he's scrounging for food. He's talking to a volleyball. 
Come on, some of you know what I'm talking about. Wilson! I was like, I know, it's so cool! And as I thought about it later, you know, reflected on it, I thought, where does that come from? Well, it turns out, I had people in my family tree who, when life got hard, escaped. And they would go away, sometimes for weeks at a time, they would just drop communication, go away for a long period of time. And there's nothing wrong with alone time, but this was, I'm realizing I have some escapism that's been passed down through my family tree. And so sometimes in my relationships, I have learned it's a red flag when I start having these little kind of fantasies about just being able to withdraw from all my problems and not have to face reality. Here's another one, it's kind of on the flip side. I have great difficulty not working for any length of time, for like an hour. And I know, I'm sharing some of my more kind of innocent issues with you today. It's like, my greatest weakness is I work too hard. (laughs) I know, I know, I know. But it's actually a problem in my life. And uh, it drives my family crazy many times. My wife, you know, she's learned, she's been married to me for a long time. Uh, but we'd be like, we have a day off, and I'm like, hey, hey, what are we gonna, what are we gonna fix? What are we gonna do? What are we gonna start? What are we gonna, we got some, we, let's, let's go. She's like, what? I'm gonna sit here on this couch and watch you melt down. This is the most exciting thing I've seen, you know. It's fantastic. Keep going, this is great. And I wonder, where does that come from? Well, I watched someone in my family tree stop working for a while and never start again, and I'm terrified of that. So for years, I've overworked because I'm terrified that if I ever stop, I won't be able to start again. We all have issues. And can you see that whether we are are repeating a script without even being aware of it or desperately trying to avoid it, either way, it causes issues. And I want you, we all have stuff like this. I want you to think about your relationships right now. Chances are good somewhere you can pick up on something where either you just keep repeating the same thing over and over again and you don't even know why anymore. Or you've lived your life swearing, I'm never gonna be like that as you gradually become more and more like that. It's so hard to get away from, isn't it? And we all have stuff like this. And here's what I believe. Without God transforming us from the inside out, we are actually powerless to change our scripts in a lasting way. Now, we can, we can fake it for a long time. But it's amazing, isn't it, how we just end up drifting back toward these scripts. We know they're not helping us. We know they're not good for us. Again, no judgment. I've got them. You've got them. We've all got them. We're all in the same boat. But we know they're not healthy. We know they're not getting us where we would like to go in life, but they're just so comfortable and familiar and easy when things get tense or difficult to go back to. Kind of like Egypt. Like, Why would you ever want to go back to Egypt? Those people, am I right? But it's at the same time kind of like, why would you ever go back to fighting about everything all the time? That's who you used to be. Why would you go back to being suspicious about everybody? Why would you go back to that negativity? Because it's comfortable. It's in my script. Now, remember the good news. God forgives every kind of sin. He forgives every kind of issue. He's a gracious loving, patient God, full of unfailing love. Whatever you've heard about God, there is nothing you have done that God cannot forgive and heal, nothing, nothing. He's that kind of God. 
But the impact of our issues continues until we have the courage to confront them. In other words, you can be forgiven, but not free. You ever seen those ads uh, for the insurance company where one person does something and the other person calls them out and the first person's like, no, I didn't do that. And the second person's like, let's check the replay. Let's check the replay. And we know what's coming, right? We know that person's gonna be exposed. Oh yeah, you, you did, you left the sunroof open. You, you screamed at the spider, whatever it may be. You did it, let's check the replay. If we wanna see change in our lives and in our relationships, it starts with acknowledging our broken scripts. Or put another way, and this is difficult, but change starts when we check the replay. When we start looking at our lives from a different angle, a different perspective, and we start seeing things we didn't notice before about the kinds of plays we're running on the field of our relationships. When we're willing to take inventory of our own issues and face reality, we can begin to change. So Moses prays for Israel, and then the Lord said, so Moses said, would you please forgive them? And God says, yeah, I will, because I'm that kind of God. I'm not gonna forgive them because they're good. I'm gonna forgive them because I'm good. And I will pardon them as you have requested. But as surely as I live and as surely as the earth is filled with the Lord's glory, not one of those people will ever enter the land. So they're forgiven, but they don't receive my promises. Why, God? Here's why. They've all seen my glorious presence. They've seen the miraculous signs I perform both in Egypt and in the wilderness. But again and again, they have tested me by refusing to listen to my voice. God says, I'm gonna forgive them, but they will never experience the life they could have had. Why? Because they are not willing to face their issues. Those people. Aren't you glad we're not like those people? I mean, seriously, aren't you glad we are not like those people? Those people that God has done so much for, and yet they still, in their hearts, when things get hard, refuse to listen to his voice. Aren't you glad we're not like those people? It's uncomfortable in here right now, isn't it? You're like, I don't know if you're joking, man, or if you just, like, what's happening right now? Those people. Some of us are forgiven because God is good and Jesus paid for our sins, but we're not really free. And when things get difficult, especially in our relationships, we have a tendency to want to go back to Egypt. We, we run old plays. And we're not living the life that we could be. And it's not because we have issues. Everybody has issues. It's because we protect our issues. And we return to our issues. And we explain away our issues. And we make excuses for our issues. And we ignore our issues. And we deflect our issues. But here's the question. Given the, the incredible character of our God, what could happen if we admitted our issues and surrendered them to God? Change. Starts when we check the replay. We start looking at our lives from a different angle and seeing a different perspective. So why do we avoid that? Why do all of us avoid checking the replay? Why do we defend our issues, pretend we don't have them, hide them, bury them deep, make excuses for them? Why do we do all of that? Because we don't want to experience a difficult emotion. It's the emotion of regret. None of us enjoys regret, okay? It's not a, it's not a comfortable feeling. But regret is actually necessary for change, not shame. Regret. Shame is self-defeating and self-absorbed. Shame is actually just a, a, a desire to go back to Egypt. But real regret 
actually leads us to something that God calls repentance. And regret is recognizing that we have violated a value that matters. And without wallowing in shame or making excuses, we face reality, we watch the replay, and we go, yep, we have to change the ruling on the field. And that was me. It wasn't them, it was me. Or it wasn't just them. It's got part of me in it. And when that happens, we can, we can move into repentance. And this is tough. Our culture's not big on repentance. And by culture, I mean like our, our world's not big on repentance. People aren't going around going, hey, man, did you repent today? <laughs> no, our culture's like, no regrets. I regret nothing. You know, the only people who have no hope in this world are the people who have no regret. Because regret is actually the catalyst for hope. Regret is a red flag that sends a signal that things could still change if you wanted them to. If I have no regrets, it means I'm not paying attention to how I live my life. And again, I'm not talking about shame, but I'm talking about this holy regret, which is a gift from God, where we check the replay. We don't watch it over and over again obsessively. That's shame. We watch it honestly and openly, and it leads us to repentance, and we surrender our issues to God, and we trust him to transform us so that we can be more than just forgiven, so we can be free, so we can move forward into his promises for us because God has promises for our lives. In fact, watch this. God says, Moses, I'm going to forgive him, but they're not going to enter the land, but not everybody's going to miss out on my promises. Watch this. My servant Caleb has a different attitude than the others have. He has remained loyal to me, so I will bring him into the land he explored, and his descendants will possess their full share of that land. Not only will Caleb experience something that goes beyond forgiveness. Everyone gets forgiveness today, Moses. Caleb gets a promise that he's going to be able to enter into that will not only transform his life, it will transform his family tree. He's going to break the script. He's going to flip the script of his life because he has a different Attitude. What does that mean? Does that mean Caleb didn't have issues? No, everybody has issues. Caleb came from a flawed family tree, just like all of us do. But he had a different attitude toward his issues and toward God. He faced his issues head on, and he surrendered his life to God. And that's all it takes. A different attitude is what flips our family script. No one's life changes until their attitude changes. It may require a lot of other components, but no one's life changes. No one's life changes while they're still blaming others. Isn't this an exciting message today? Aren't you just, just like, woo! Repentance! Woo! <laughs> no one's life changes while they're still making excuses. No one's, no one's life changes while, while they're still blaming their circumstances. Our lives only change when our attitude changes. And I know for some of you go, do we have to talk about this? Well, actually, the answer is no. We don't have to go this deep if you only want forgiveness. But if you sense God might have some promises for you, then we have to talk about this. Because you can be forgiven and not free. What's a different attitude? Different attitude is when I stop expecting another person to fulfill me and I begin to live in the fulfillment that is found in Christ alone. That's a different attitude. 
A different attitude is when I face and forgive the past instead of using it as a reason for ongoing escapism and resentment. A different attitude is when I admit I need help instead of offering one more empty promise like that was the last time and I'll never do it again. A different attitude is when I stop hiding behind shame and fear and I take responsibility for the way my life is going. A different attitude is when I decide that I will no longer blame circumstances I can't control for my own lack of self-control. And a different attitude is when I stop enabling people in my life to ruin their life and instead I lovingly allow them to face the consequences of their decisions so they can experience regret and change by the grace of God. That's a different attitude. Change starts when we check the replay. When we face reality head on and we surrender our lives to God. So here's what I'm saying. Your life can be better. Your relationships can get better. When I say better, I don't necessarily mean easier. Some of us are like, yeah, I want a better life where everybody does what they're supposed to. (laughs) A better life is when you know who you are and whose you are regardless of what anybody else does or doesn't do and you live like Jesus in this world, and you enter the land, you enter the promised place, you begin to live in the promises of God, your goodness is running after me. I'm telling you there's a place you can get in your life where you begin to realize you can no longer escape even if you wanted to from the goodness of your great God. He is chasing you, pursuing you, pouring favor out on you. It's a promised place. I'm not talking about shallow earthly prosperity. I'm talking about the richness of life with God. Jesus said, I came to give you a rich and satisfying life. You say, but didn't Jesus come to give us forgiveness? He absolutely did. But he came not just to forgive us, but to set us free. And if the Son makes you free, you're really free. You can enter the promises of God. Your relationships can get better. Your family tree can get better. It's not just brokenness that gets passed down. Blessing can too. I've seen it over and over. I have friends who nearly lost their families because of the way they were living their lives, but God gave them a redo when they checked the replay, and there was restoration that couldn't have happened outside of the great, unfailing love of God. I have seen couples, who both of them, their parents were divorced, but they decided early on to recognize the red flags in their relationship, and they laid a foundation for a covenant relationship that will last a lifetime by the grace of God. I've seen men recover from sexual addiction and build restored relationships with their wives and daughters, relationships they never thought they could have, but because of the grace of God, their lives were restored. And now what was brokenness coming through that branch of their family tree becomes blessing. And every time, I'm gonna gonna step out on a limb here and I'm gonna ask you to trust me on this. I've been doing this for a medium amount of time. I don't wanna say long time because it makes me seem old and I'm not old. I'm a very, very young person. But I have been doing this for quite a while. I'm just asking you to trust me on this. 
People who know me well will tell you that the gift I have in my life I can't take credit for is pattern recognition. And I've watched this over and over. I'm asking you to trust me. Every time I have seen someone's life be transformed for the long term by God, it has required the same three things. Number one, real repentance. Stop making excuses. Nobody changes when they're looking for some quick fix to their situation. They change when they acknowledge their life isn't working. Real repentance. Number two, real surrender. Complete submission to God. I give my life over to you. I cannot change myself. And number three, real community. Getting a few other people around me, getting in a group of people and doing life together with them. Every time I have seen someone's life transformed, those three ingredients are always there. Real repentance, real surrender, real community. And on that last one, that's why we have over 200 J groups for you to choose from this semester because you need a space like that. Some of you are surrounded by people who routinely go back to Egypt. You need some people in your life who are like, man, we're not perfect, we got issues, but we would like to go into the promised land. We would like to have to live that rich and satisfying life that Jesus promised. And God wants that for you. And change starts when you check the replay. So listen, here's the best part, all right? You have something that even Caleb didn't have. Jesus. So before Jesus came, God forgave because he's always been gracious. There are not two gods. There's not an Old Testament God and a New Testament God. There's one God. He's always been gracious. He's always been full of unfailing love. But the law of sin and death was at work in the world before Jesus came. And God allowed it to work to bring humanity to a place of desperation and need. Which means that generational sin ran rampant before Jesus came. And those scripts define how we live. Sin was like a disease. It had entered the fabric of our world and of all of our relationships. Jesus came as the cure. And he died to forgive our sins. But he did not just die so that we could be forgiven over and over again. He died so that we could be forgiven and then begin to live a new kind of life by the freedom that he came to give us. You can change through Jesus. There is hope. God still transforms lives. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. So check the replay. Listen, everybody isn't out to get you. It's just a script. You can have boundaries in a relationship. It's just a script. You don't have to hide your secrets. The lie that no one will love you if you get real just a script. You are not destined to be alone, afraid, or active in addiction for the rest of your life. It's just a script, and God can help you flip it. He changes lives, but it's going to take a different attitude. Check the replay. Real repentance. Surrender to God. Get in community. Play the long game. And live your life through faith in Jesus Christ. And if you would say, week two of the series, man, I'm in. I want that. I don't want to just be forgiven. I want to live a free life. I want to go into the promised land God has for me. Would you shoot your hand up all of our locations? Come on, hold it up high boldly. 
you're declaring, and I want that in my life. Online, you can participate in this as well. Let me pray it over us. Father, we come to you. God, we, are, we feel like we are standing on holy ground. The same God that Moses knew who was slow to anger and full of unfailing love and forgives every kind of sin, we're in the presence of that God. Except that now, Jesus, we know we have the power to be free. And through you, we really can do all things. We can reconcile in that relationship. We can let go of our jadedness and negativity. We can stop running the same script over and over again. So lead us by your goodness. God, your word says it is the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. Bring us to a place of real change. Don't let us be afraid of the momentary regret. Help us lean into the lasting change, we pray. And bless our relationships. God, you've got a land for us that is good, a place that is good, where broken things are restored. We believe you for it. In Jesus' name, I surrender to you. Come on, tell him that. God, I surrender to you today. I have hope today in you. And while you let God speak to your heart for a moment more, maybe for some of you today at one of our locations or watching online, listen, you... Today's been an aha moment, and maybe it's even been a little uncomfortable, but you have realized why you're stuck, why you keep doing the same things, expecting different results. Only God can restore us to sanity, and he does it through Jesus, his son. When you put your faith in Jesus, you are forgiven of your issues, your sins, through what he did, not through good things that you do. But that's not all. He gives you the power to live a new kind of life. It doesn't all happen overnight. It's a journey. It's a path. It's a new life that you live. God wants that for you. And if you're here today, you don't know Jesus in a real way yet, but you sense God is drawing you to him, this can be your day. And I'd love to lead you in a very simple prayer to take that step. I want everyone to join me again. Concentrate on God and his, his presence. And if that's you today and you want to begin following Jesus, Whisper out a prayer of faith, something like this. You can use my words if it helps you. Pray with faith from your heart. Jesus, today I believe in you and I surrender my life to you. I'm turning from the life I've lived without you so that I can follow you now. I can't do that without you, but by your power, I can do what you're calling me to do. Save me today. I believe in you. And if that's you, while everyone around you stays focused on God, if you would say, I want to be included in that prayer, I'm putting my faith in Jesus. Will you lift your hand? Just hold it up high, boldly. Yeah. Yeah, all of our locations, all of our rooms. Online, you can type the word faith in the comments. Yes. It's amazing. And then Journey, we help me? Let's celebrate that together. Let's give Jesus our praise. Come on, let's do that.